Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Listen, if you're still living with bladder accidents, stop. It's time to get your life back. I was just like you until I found real relief with Axonics Therapy. It's not a pill or a pad. It's a clinically proven advanced treatment. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Hello, MD Nation, and welcome into the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show. Catch us on YouTube. Make sure you never miss an episode when you subscribe to us and then download us on your favorite pod streaming app so you can catch us on your drive home to and from work to or from your holidays that we just had this past weekend. And don't be afraid to fire us up on your Fire TV devices and Android devices when you search the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Amazon App Store. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Just me today. We're going over the Week 16 recap we're going to go back from the Thursday game all the way through the Sunday afternoon games today. We'll be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. like we normally are for the Sunday night, Monday night recaps and waiver wire report, which will be looking forward to the championship game because we're getting through the playoffs here. I know the Monday night game is going on as we're going live with this show. But with the Monday night game, I mean, outside of Alvin Kamara, maybe a Jalen Waddle, maybe a Miami defense, there's probably not a whole lot you have going on fantasy-wise. Most of you have already figured out exactly where you stand heading into next week. I hope you made it to the championships. That's probably why you're tuning into this show today. Anyway, I congratulate you, and I'm very happy to have you part of the MD Nation Championship Tour. And even if you're not, that's okay. Why? Because we have a lot of great fantasy news, a lot of great things to break down, but we'll also have our MD's DFS contests and lock bets of the week like we always do for the month of January because we'll have the month of January giveaway for the championship footballs and that'll be on Thursday night this week it's gonna be the same schedule that it was last week for the Christmas holiday heading into the New Year's holiday we have this show today we have the primetime recap and waiver wire report tomorrow at 10 a.m we have the full championship week 17 preview on Wednesday night so that's gonna be about a two-hour show And then Thursday night, we'll be back for an hour from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. with that MD's DFS contest and lock best of the week, which, of course, Chad Slardy will join Chris Dauhauer and myself on that episode, too. So that's the schedule for this week heading into the championship games. The one thing I can say coming out of the week 16, 
was that at least it was better than week 15. The guys that you expected to perform well, the bigger names for the most part, it was more fantasy normal. Where week 15 was just, if you survived, you made it past week 15 if you just happened to survive. The thing about week 16 that did carry over from week 15, though, is that the COVID issue really remained strong. Took out a lot of big names, like a Travis Kelsey, a Mike Williams, an Austin Eckler. These guys are gone. And very late in the week, too, at some of them. And now with the new protocols, Dalvin Cook's a big one, because now with the new protocols, if you're unvaccinated like a Dalvin Cook, it's very unlikely that they'll be back this week. Mike Williams already ruled out. That's why his name jumps to mind. Dalvin Cook can't get cleared until Saturday because you're unvaccinated. It's a 10-day quarantine. And then you have to expect, well, you come back, you get, you get activated. But then what happens when you didn't practice all week? The pattern we've seen, and that continued on into this week, week 16, is that if you weren't able to practice all week long and a team pretty much prepared to be without you, and you were actually affected by COVID and you felt some symptoms from it, and maybe your conditioning, your energy isn't quite where it normally is on top of not practicing for that week, you don't get played very much. We're going to get the Chiefs game, talk about Tyree Kill. Everybody's excited. He got cleared. Christmas Day, yes, Tyree Kill, he's definitely back. He cleared COVID protocols right away. But then he barely played. That's a pattern that we've seen time and time again, especially with wide receivers. Which I find kind of interesting because the running the you know the running back position, much more demanding on your body, much more demanding on your conditioning. But the wide receivers, it seems to have affected the most. Maybe because the teams have more of the wide receivers, so they feel like they can go in a different direction if need be more easily. But Tyreek Hill barely played that game. We have other examples to go to as we get through this episode. I want to go back and kick this thing off with the Thursday night recap, though. And the reason being is that you know we had our full week 16 preview last Wednesday night, like we're going to do again this Wednesday night for week 17. But we didn't get to get back to you guys about a Thursday night recap. So let's talk about that game first and foremost. Tennessee Titans, they win a nail-biter in at the end of the game. Should have went to overtime, almost in overtime, at the end of the fourth quarter, at the end of regulation, 20-17. to 17, And it was 100%... The A.J. Brown show. 10 catches, 145 yards, and a touchdown, or excuse me, 11 catches. This was shocking. We know A.J. Brown is a player who's capable of this kind of a stat line. We know the San Francisco secondary is a mediocre matchup that you could take advantage of. That's not what's shocking here. It's his first week back in a month. He didn't even technically practice the entire week leading up into the game. They tested out his conditioning and just made sure he was in game shape. But he even practiced with the team. They activate him off the IR. He comes right back and performs. Now, I know A.J. Brown, he was out with a chest issue for the last four weeks or while he was on IR. But we also know he had been getting ailed by lower body injuries which has been the history with A.J. Brown, and it's something that has slowed him down in the past. And this year in particular, really felt like it was slowing him down quite a bit. Remember, he got hurt in training camp. Started off the season. Just never at any point really looked like himself. Never looked like the explosive and physical A.J. Brown that we've come to know and love. And that's why he always 
disappointing even when he was able to be healthy enough out there on the field. I ranked A.J. Brown as a wide receiver three. I was a wide receiver three range, that is, not wide receiver three overall. Wide receiver three range. I wasn't expecting a big game. Wide receiver 29 overall is exactly where I had him. So the fact he was able to come out and just perform the way he did was tremendous. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't the stat line. It's the fact that he looks healthy, not just from the chest issue, but he looks like he got healthy from the lower body issues that he was having too. He looked explosive and physical. Julio Jones went on the COVID list today. So A.J. Brown, not that he wasn't already, but he's the entire offense for the Tennessee Titans at the moment. He had a career high in targets at 16. The Colts are still breathing down the Titans' neck. They are trying to hold on for first place in that division. An argument can be made because the AFC is still wide open. The number one seed is still in play for the Tennessee Titans, believe it, not, believe it or not. So they're going to be featuring A.J. Brown a lot the rest of the way, including your Week 17 championships. We got some comments coming in here from our social media feeds. Dan, do you think for the big game, should I play Cordell Patterson? I don't know the situation with Eckler or Swift yet. Well, Austin Eckler did get cleared off the COVID-19 protocols today. So we do expect Austin Eckler to be back and playing and practicing. And because he got cleared today, you feel pretty confident that they are going to have him practicing and he'll be ready to go. So I'm not worried about him having some sort of limitation heading into next week. DeAndre Swift, I don't know. I mean, that's something we're going to have to wait and see how the week plays out. He got listed as a limited participant in practice all of last week, but then he wasn't able to suit up on Sunday. And Cordell Patterson, flat out, his usage has just not been the same since he had that high ankle sprain. He was able to have one more good game right after that. But they've been splitting the carries with him and Mike Davis. They have not been involving him or at least targeting him as much in the passing game. Now, some of it, some of it is because defenses are just straight up queuing in on Cordell Patterson finally. That's part of it. Because if you actually look at his routes run, he's still running about the same amount of routes. He's still lining up the wide receiver position about the same amount of time that he was before. But whenever he's on the field, teams are now just queuing in on him, which is smart because that's what they've the latest built their entire offense really to get Patterson the ball when he's out there. At no point this season, has he actually been out there for you know 90% of the snaps? That hasn't been how they've used him. So that's the problem with Cordell Patterson right now. And I'll get to your next question. We got to move back to San Francisco. Do you think Eckler and JJ will split carries? Uh, no. Austin Eckler has been incredible this entire season. They want Justin Jackson back there to back him up, to be ready to go if they need him. But make no mistake, just because Jackson had a nice game last week, they're not suddenly going to then have Austin Eckler in a timeshare. And also remember, Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler have a similar skill set. If they're going to have Eckler in a timeshare with anybody, it would be one of the bigger backs the goal line. That hasn't proven to be the case this season. That's not going to happen now. So let's get back to the 49ers defense. The 49ers offense, excuse me. Jimmy Garoppolo, we find out today, they report it as a right thumb sprain, but apparently, no, 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 no. He's got a chip bone and a torn ligament. He's actually in doubt heading into week 17. Now, I'll get into all what that means when we have the preview show 
on Wednesday night. Because remember, we're going to be doing a full Week 17 championship preview Wednesday night, a two-hour at least special edition. might be two-hour and 15 minutes like it was last week. So Garoppolo winds up getting hurt a little bit in this game. And from what they're saying, they're saying the injury actually took place in the second quarter, which could explain at least the second interception. Not the first one, but it could explain the second interception when it completely sailed on him. Now, while he did not play a good game NFL-wise, fantasy-wise, if you stream Jimmy G, it wasn't really that bad. 322 yards, he gets a touchdown. Yeah, he gets the two picks, but ultimately, he still gets you about 17-plus points. It's kind of what you're looking at of a streaming option, at least as a floor play anyway. But Debo Samuel, that's the story. So what do we see that was different? We saw Jeff Wilson get healthy in the Atlanta game and look like Jeff Wilson. Because of that, the 49ers then expressed they had more confidence in allowing Jeff Wilson to be a bell cow type back, meaning Debo Samuel doesn't have to play at the running back position as much as he did previous weeks with Eli Mitchell out. So Debo Samuel is able to shift back to being more of the wide receiver like he was for the majority of the season when he's lighting up the stat sheet and is a top three guy. That's what we, plus the good matchup here against Tennessee, but that's what we saw in this game. He had nine catches for 159 yards. He still got involved in the rushing game. He still had five carries for 32 yards. This is probably the first game that he didn't find the end zone. But what do you care? He still had a huge, huge day. I will question what his ceiling is if a Jimmy Garoppolo can't play next week. That will be interesting. But again, more things for Wednesday night. Jeff Wilson, 14 carries, 45 yards, and a touchdown. Look, Tennessee, on paper, toughest defense against fantasy running backs. Give up the least amount of point to fantasy running backs. So the fact that Jeff Wilson was able to come in here, get a touchdown, still get 45 yards, get three catches for 12 yards, it makes you feel good if you have Jeff Wilson. Now, there's a chance Eli Mitchell could come back this week. But they're also playing Houston. So if they're not 100% sure, I'm pretty sure the 49ers have the feeling that they can get away with Houston by just having Jeff Wilson. It really wouldn't surprise me. So something that remains to be seen, the, the silver line on Eli Mitchell was that right before that Thursday game, they had a news report about that his knee had turned a corner in a positive way, opening up the door more so for this week. But Shanahan's still saying, I'm hopeful, but we still have to wait and see. So clearly, they're not confident of it as of yet. More things that you need to follow us on social media for, because we'll keep giving you those player news update notifications when these practice reports do come out. I will mention Brandon Ayuk, five targets, four catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown in this game. But with Debo Samuel returning back to his normal role, the ceiling for Brandon Ayuk just goes way down. Heck, the floor to ceiling ratio goes way down because you don't know if he's even going to get involved. George Kittle was the one who got left out of the offense in this game. He only had two catches for 21 yards in this game with three targets. I think more times than not, that would be Brandon Ayuk. So these are things you have to watch out. You have to play George Kittle moving forward. You have to play Debo Samuel. I don't think you have to play Brandon Ayuk because the usage might not be there. And we might be talking about a whole different ball game if it is, in fact, Trey Lance next week. Let's move on, though. Let's move into Saturday. Christmas Day, we kick things off with the Cleveland Browns. We kick things off with the Green Bay Packers. Now, what happened in this game? 
about what you expect. The Browns were able to keep it a lot closer than I anticipated. Now, Rodgers still had a nice fantasy day. But he only had 202 yards to go with his three touchdowns, which is what gave him a nice fantasy day. But he re-hurt that toe. You saw he got stepped on early in the game, and it did look like he was bothered by it. Didn't try to run around, didn't try to be mobile, really dumped the ball off quickly to try to get the ball out of his hands in order to avoid the hit. Something to watch going into next week. Now, you're not benching Aaron Rodgers if you made it this far with him. And again, he still had a 20-point fantasy day in spite of that. But it was just interesting to see that he was not quite himself after he kind of re-injured or re-aggravated, let's say, that toe injury that he's dealing with in the first place. But if three touchdowns off an injured toe, that's what you get. I think you'll take it any day of the week. The running backfield, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. So there's some word coming out of that game today that Aaron Jones may have somewhat aggravated his knee issue too. Kind of, you kind of saw at the end of the game, kind of limped off. A.J. Dillon kind of finished him the rest of the way from that point on. The good news, if you have Aaron Jones and you moved on to the championship round, Matt, uh, Matt LaFleur coming out today and saying he thinks Aaron Jones is going to be okay. Obviously, they want to wait and see how he manages it throughout the week this week, but they think he's going to be okay. So it sounds like optimism, at least early on the week. Obviously, we're going to have to wait to see how this week plays out. But Aaron Jones was still operating in front of A.J. Dillon for the second week in a row. He had, even with A.J. Dillon closing out the game at the end, Aaron Jones still had 12 carries to his nine. Dillon was still not involved in the passing game at all. Aaron Jones had five catches for 21 yards on six targets. So the use was starting to go back towards his way to indicate that maybe he was getting a little bit healthier. Now, we're going to have to see exactly what happens heading into this week after he may have aggravated the injury. We'll see how all that plays out. But while he didn't score, you have to like where his usage is headed. So he's okay. If he's practicing again this week and he plays, they got a nice match against Minnesota coming up. You have to play him. And you gotta feel, you're going to feel better about doing so because it's trending in the right direction away from A.J. Dillon a little bit. And Devontae Adams just comes through for you on a big day. 13 targets, 10 receptions, 114 yards, two touchdowns. This is what you drafted Devontae Adams to do for you in this situation to win you a week and move you on into your championship weeks. Al Lazard does have the touchdown when Marquez Valdez-Scantling out. Five targets, only two catches. Again, I go back to this. If I'm heading to a championship week, even if MVS comes back, there is no way that I can't find another receiver that I would trust their usage more. Or I let me rephrase that. There's no way I wouldn't be able to find a receiver that I trust more than an MVS or an Alan Lazard heading into my championship week. There's no way I wouldn't be able to find one. You can't trust the usage of these guys. Even when there's one active, you can't trust the usage of these guys. Because it's Devontae Adams and then maybe everybody else. And as we saw in this game, it's Devontae Adams. And a lot of times, especially when he's healthy, it winds up being Aaron Jones in a dump-off passing game. I'm not trusting an MVS or an Alan Lazard hanging into next week. There's no way. On the flip side, we go to Cleveland Browns. Look, the only guy I really want to play is Nick Chubb. 
Now, he had the great game of the ground, 126 yards and a touchdown. Nice match against the Green Bay Packers, no cream hunt. You expect him to be an RB1. The surprising factor was this. Four targets, three catches, 58 receiving yards. He busted a 40-yard screen in that game in case you missed it. You want more of that. I don't know why they don't set it up for that. Nick Chubb has proven over the past, especially in the screen game, he can be very effective because, I mean, first of all, he's a very fast, explosive, powerful runner when you get him out in space to begin with. If you set him up for screens, there's times where he's almost impossible to stop. I don't know why they don't do that more, but I digress. Kareem Hunt did get activated off the COVID-19 list today, but that's not the reason he was going to miss week 16 anyway. And from what I understand, I think there's still more doubtful than not that he's going to be able to play in week 17. So Nick Chubb should be in a position to, for your championship weeks, be a bell cow back once again. Outside of that, I don't know what you care about with the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield was terrible. Jarvis Landry, he led the way with seven targets, four catches, 55 yards. He never has a high ceiling. He's a guy you play as a third receiver, a flex play in a PPR league only if you just need a floor. Somebody not to dud you out. But most likely, you're hitting your championship week. You pretty much have your core team set around you. But you need guys who have higher ceilings. You can't leave these things to chance. You can't leave points on your bench. I don't see a scenario in which I'm playing Jarvis Landry with any confidence heading into next week, especially the way Baker Mayfield looked in this game. Remember, Green Bay's defense, they've fallen off a little bit, especially in the secondary over the past few weeks. They've been an easier matchup than when they were at one point in the season. And he just doesn't look good. Flat out. Does not look good. And it makes it hard to trust any of the pass catchers. Let's keep the thing. This thing gives me movement through. Let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals, the Indianapolis Colts. Colts winning a big game here, 22 to 16, Christmas night. Jonathan Taylor, 27 carries, 108 yards. And in a weird way, a 100 yard performance was kind of disappointing because he didn't get you a touchdown, he didn't get you a reception. He had two targets, no receptions in this game. So Jonathan Taylor, a 100-yard performance, actually left you a bit disappointed. And I wouldn't be surprised if it led to quite a few losses this past weekend. Because you're expecting RB1 overall performance out of Jonathan Taylor every single week. That's what you've been spoiled by. I know. It's, it's first world problems. I get it. And obviously, if you did make it on, Jonathan Taylor, he's going to be a must-play going into next week. Nothing changes there. It's just funny to me how a guy who gets over 100 yards can be looked at as a fantasy disappointment. (laughs) Michael Pittman. Hey, good things happen when Michael Pittman doesn't get himself ejected. Eight receptions, 82 yards, 12 targets in this game. No, he didn't get you 100. No, he didn't get you a touchdown. But you'll take that solid performance against the Arizona Cardinals, which at times has been a stingy secondary for wide receivers. But I said it's going in. I'm like, look, he's a wide receiver too. We know at this point, as long as the Colts are actually have to throw the ball more than 12 times, which is all they had to do in week 15, because remember that debacle. As long as they have to throw the ball more than 12 times, which you figured they would in this matchup, in two evenly matched teams, 
we know Michael Pittman is a candidate for double-digit targets any given week. It's hard to pass up that kind of floor in volume. So he brought it to you again, and he was solid in this one. And he's not the reason you lost if you did lose. Michael Pittman will continue to be fired up as that. T.Y. Hilton did get the touchdown. This is the most we've seen T.Y. Hilton be involved in the offense, really since he's gotten back from injury. Now, I don't know if they're purposely ramping him up now before they head into the postseason. That's possible, but it's neither here nor there when you're talking about your fantasy expectations going into Week 17. On the Cardinals side of things, ugh. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. There's some good things to take out of here. Don't get me twisted with the fantasy purposes around it. But Kyler Murray, without DeAndre Hopkins, is just not trustworthy. He gets 74 rushing yards in this game on four scrambles. One of them, of course, in that 57-yard run in that first drive of the game. Absolutely explosive. But the reason I bring that up is because after that point, the Colts did a really good job of making sure they kept them in the pocket. And I've been saying this for a long time now. If you keep Kyler Murray in the pocket, he is not a good pocket quarterback. And as a result, the entire Arizona offense has its ceiling dropped down. Now, there's no Rondell Moore in this game either. So we do the tar consolidation, the routes run, will be centered around an A.J. Green who did nothing, Antoine Wesley who did nothing, and Christian Kirk who was heavily involved. Kirk continues to be the wide receiver that I'm going to, if I'm going to pick one Arizona receiver, that's the guy I'm going with. And he maintained his wide receiver three range here. Nine targets, seven receptions, 48 yards in this one. Not 148, excuse me, but a 48. That's the kind of volume, that's the usage that you're looking for out of a wide receiver three. It gives you a safe floor, and we know Christian Kirk can hit that big play if the opportunity presents itself. But A.J. Green, you never know what A.J. Green you're going to get to show up that day, let alone think that you have a fantasy asset you can trust. Chase Edmonds was good in this game. 16 carries, 56 yards, gets the rushing touchdown, and then tacks on eight receptions for 71 yards and nine targets. Who's the lead receiver as far as yardage goes. He was tremendous. We expected him to have a high volume day with a James Conner out. The question will be, does James Conner come back next week? That doesn't seem to be a given, but we really don't know one way or the other yet. They're calling it a pain tolerance issue. Yes, he was listed as a game day decision on Saturday, But Kingsbury came back and said he wasn't really that close to playing, even though James Conner would have you believe otherwise. 
what players typically do. And James Conner's shoes, look, he's on a contract deal. He's having a career season. He wants to be out there because he wants at least a chance to get paid. That may not happen. We'll have to see exactly what happens going into this week if he's able to practice at all or not. But if he misses practice again, I can't see them rolling out Connor heading into Week 17. That'll be a wait-and-see mode. Zach Ertz, he's the other safe pass catcher next to Christian Kirk, next, next to Chase Edmonds being involved in the passing game that I'm willing to go with here. 13 targets in this game, 8 catches, 54 yards. You will take that usage, that floor, out of a tight end every day, any day. Even though it wasn't a gaudy stat line, you'll take 13 targets for your tight end. And without DeAndre Hopkins, Zach Ertz, maybe not to this degree, but had always been way more involved whenever Hopkins has been out so far this season. So he continues to maintain his top 10 ranking for me because of this performance here, because there's no DeAndre Hopkins to be worried about. Let's dive into the Rams-Minnesota Vikings game. This game was weird. And I say it was weird because it got the over. That's what we wanted. It was a 49-point over. It was the highest over on the week. We got the over, which is what Chris and I had predicted. But it happened in the most strangest way it possibly could have, where we were expecting Matthew Stafford in a, in a match against Minnesota, who's been the best matchup along with Washington for passing games. We expected him to go off. I had Matthew Stafford, my number one quarterback overall, coming into the week. And he goes for 197 yards and three interceptions. Only one touchdown. It's because Sony Michelle went bananas in this game. We find out now today that that one carry Darrell Henderson had for 17 yards, he hurt his MCL. He's on the injury reserve now. And I'll, I'm going to throw this out there, too. I'm not going to bury the lead. Sean McVay actually saying Cam Akers has a shot to have playing time in week 17. Look, we have some tremendous player comeback candidates already as it is. And I'm not saying Cam Akers should win the award, but he should at least be a candidate. If he takes the field in week 17 at week 18, after having an Achilles injury in the summer and comes back the same year, he, he at least needs to be a candidate for the player comeback of the year. It's Even if he only takes one snap, he should be a candidate for player comeback of the year. It's insane. Insane the recovery we're seeing. He's not going to be a fantasy asset. Don't get me twisted. But the fact that we're even talking about this heading into the postseason is amazing. And it actually comes at perfect timing now that we're not exactly sure when you're going to get the Raw Henderson back. They're calling it a three- to five-week timeline. Well, the Rams go to the Super Bowl, he might be back, but otherwise he might be done for the rest of the year. Sony Michelle, in his absence, was tremendous. 27 carries, 131 yards, and he has a touchdown. By the way, Sony Michelle, now we know going into the game that the Ron Henderson won't be there. He could be a low in RB1. No, Cam Akers is not going to come in this week and, and take have a such a significant workload that that takes away from Sony Michelle. So don't worry about that. Sony Michelle is going to be a low in RB1 heading into next week, though. Now that we know Darrell Henderson won't be there. He still continues to just not be that involved in the passing game. One catch for four yards in this game. Did have four targets, which is the most he's had. But he's giving you 100-yard performances. The question is, does he give you the touchdown to go along with it? 
But right now, he's a lock-it-in, must-play heading into Week 17. Cooper Cup had a floor game. If you can't, if you're not watching me on the stream right now, I did that in air quotes. A floor game at 10 catches, 109 yards. That's a floor game for Cooper Cup. I know it's insane. So we're not going to talk about Cooper Cup. We don't need to. What we do need to talk about is OBJ and Van Jefferson. Now, OBJ gets eight targets. Van Jefferson gets six. On the surface, you'd be okay with that. But the production for Van Jefferson in particular, one catch, six yards against Minnesota, one of the best matchups. Jefferson had been on a three-touchdown game streak before week 15. Week 15, suddenly he doesn't get targeted. That was the whole Cooper Cup show. And then it happens to him again this week where he doesn't get utilized. He's out there as much as Cup is. He has as much playing time, as much Rouse run. And before, he was at least being utilized as that guy to take a shot to. Still have a potential to get a touchdown. Still potential to get six-plus targets, which is essentially what you're looking for. Now, you can't trust him. And with OBJ getting back to his normal snaps, which is basically, this. I mean, they play three receiver sets. Van Jefferson, Cooper Cup, OBJ... They're all when they're all healthy, they're all playing about the same amount as far as playing time and routes run. No one's really outplaying the other one as far as that goes. Obviously, Cooper Cup's leading the way and everything else, but as far as playing time goes, all three of these guys are getting equal playing time because of how often the Rams have the receivers out there. And I don't know if it's because they lured him there or they made promises to OBJ, but clearly when he is fine, not dealing with COVID or some sort of injury. And he is out there to play his full plethora of snaps. There is definitely a focus to get him involved in the red zone in particular. He walks away with a touchdown in this game, four catches, 37 yards on eight targets. But it's like they're when they get in the red zone, they want to make sure OBJ gets at least one touchdown. So I'm okay playing him next week, but he has to move past Van Jefferson for me heading into week 17. We can't really trust the actual target share for Van Jefferson. He doesn't have a floor, even though the offense and the playing time is technically there. We move things over to the Vikings. Kirk Cousins, 315 yards, picks up a touchdown, picks up an interception. Alexander Madison has to come in for Dalvin Cook, who again, like I said, the earliest he can get cleared is Saturday which would be without practice. Not that Devin Cook has to practice, but then it's like, okay, well, where are you coming off of COVID at that point with two weeks of no practice under your belt? I think it's more likely than not we're going to see Alexander Madison for a second week. And, and no, he didn't have the big RB1 performance that we've grown used to him having when he does spell for Dalvin Cook. But 13 carries, 41 yards. He picks up the touchdown to make sure he gives you a decent fantasy day. Three catches, 29 yards on four targets. You're playing Alexander Madison as an RB1 if Dalvin Cook once again has to miss, which seems to be the more likely scenario. Justin Jefferson, slow going, because Ramsey actually did go out there and cover him. It was slow going in the first half. Turns it on in the second half. Gets eight catches for 116 yards on 12 targets. Adam Thielen winds up re-aggravating his ankle injury. He gets forced from the game early on. K.J. Osborne, as a result, 
walks back into his big-time significant role to take over for Adam Thielen, has a nice game. Seven targets, five catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown. K.J. Osborne might be somebody we talk about, spoiler alert, on the waiver wire report tomorrow when we have that show at 10 a.m. on social media and on YouTube and on Amazon and on your favorite pod streaming app. <laughs> but that show come tomorrow. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have K.J. Osborne on my waiver wire report because if Adam Thielen reaggravated that injury, he'll likely be out for week 17. There is usage there for K.J. Osborne. He'll at least be a wide receiver three heading into your championship weeks. A usable, plausible piece to pick up off the waiver wire, if need be. But here's what I want to do. There's nothing else to really go over the Minnesota Vikings because when we go over this recap, really all the shows the rest of this week, it's going to be very centered around the people you can and cannot trust. You're not going to be taking as many chances this part of the season for obvious reasons. So let's keep it centralized around that. So what I want to do now is I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, got more games to recap, obviously. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back with you right after this. MD Nation, we want to welcome in a new sponsor of the show called Props Fantasy from PropsFantasy.com. Props Fantasy is a website and app which allows users to import their season-long fantasy teams to challenge other season-long fantasy teams. Their crucial difference is that you can challenge other teams that you are not playing in your league that week or aren't even in your league or not even on the same platform. The idea behind Props Fantasy is to let casual season-long fantasy players use the teams they already have to engage in daily fantasy-type contests for winnings. Users can wager anything from $1 up to $1,000 on a head-to-head challenge. Props Fantasy even harmonizes the scoring. If you're in a PPR league and your opponent is not, Props Fantasy will default to a half-point PPR, or you can manually adjust it. They also handle things like standard lineup versus super flex. Their developers are fantasy football diehards and have thought of everything, including IDP. So if you think your season-long team is not just the best in your league, but the best in all leagues, this is your chance to find out and win money when you sign up for the Props Fantasy app today at PropsFantasy.com. So join in on the fun. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at Show. Always make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel so you catch every single episode. Download us on your favorite pod streaming app to hear us on the car ride home or fire us up on your Fire TV and Android devices when you search the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Amazon App Store. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're going over the Week 16 recap, or should I say, up until you know late Sunday afternoon. We'll talk about the Sunday night, the Monday night recap, and the waiver wire report for your championship weeks of week 17 tomorrow at 10 a.m. So make sure you tune back into all those locations I just spouted off for that show tomorrow. But let's keep this thing going. It was really interesting to watch how some of these usage, you know, plays wound up coming out to be in this past week. A lot of surprises, a lot of things that threw us off. The Tampa Bay Carolina game. Good example of that, especially when it came to the wide receivers. Now, we weren't thrown off by Antonio Brown leading the way. He had 10 catches for 100 yards in this game and 15 targets. It pretty much was the passing game. We weren't thrown off by that. We were, however, thrown off a little bit by Rob Gronkowski 
only being targeted twice for one catch in 23 yards. We were thrown off a little bit because there was a report right before the game that Tyler Johnson had been practicing all week long as the Chris Godwin role. And while his playing time was up there, I assure you, he doesn't show up in the box score. But he was the third receiver as far as playing time and routes run goes. He was on the field. Didn't receive one target, though. But Cyril Grayson, apparently is the second receiver to Antonio Brown. Now, this might all change now they've activated Brashad Perriman off the COVID list. And because Brashad Perriman does have the history with Tampa Bay, with Bruce Arians, with Byron Leftwich, it does stand a reason that he could be very much involved or at least take on that Mike Evans role, play the perimeter wide receiver, be the big play threat guy. Look, all in all, all this matters is this. When it comes to the pass catchers of the Tampa Bay Bucks. You're heading into your championship weeks. You're playing Antonio Brown. You're playing Rob Gronkowski. I don't want to trust anything else. Remember, they're playing the Jets next week, which means that game script could go similar to this one, which I think this game script here against Carolina explains a little bit why a Rob Gronkowski didn't wind up having to be that involved because they just dominate this game, and they didn't really have to do too much in the process to do it, especially offensively. I mean, Tom Brady wasn't wasn't good fantasy-wise, 18 of 30. 32 yards, a touchdown, but this game just never felt like it was ever in doubt. So it wasn't a reason to push the button, keep the pedal to the metal. Maybe that happens against the Jets. But frankly, with the way Carolina's playing, the Jets actually might be a little bit more competitive offensively than Carolina is. Now, before we switch over all the way to Carolina, I do want to mention Ronald Jones. Didn't have an efficient day, but this is a tough defense on paper. Still had 20 carries for 65 yards. He gets a touchdown. He was fine. Three targets, two receptions, 16 yards. Three targets compared to Keyshawn Vaughn's one. Ronald Jones is terrible in the passing game, but he's going to get his opportunities because Brady checks the ball down. That's just what he does. And Ron Jones is going to be on the field as much as he was this past week, which I expect to continue. That's what's going to happen from time to time. No, I'm not worried about Keyshawn Vaughn because he had seven carries for 70 yards and a touchdown to suddenly get more worked in than he was this past week. There's still a lot of things that they don't trust with Keyshawn Vaughn. That's why he hasn't been more worked in before this. And he's only getting worked in now by default. They tried to give Le'Veon Bell some carries at the very end of the game when everything was well in hand but we're not worried about that either. And Keyshawn Vaughn, not that I want to take away his big 55-yard touchdown run, because obviously he deserves credit for that, but it's six carries for 15 yards minus that one carry 55 yards. So he was being less efficient than Ronald Jones was. So just kind of point out, like, outside that big run, it wasn't that Keyshawn Vaughn was just gashing Carolina while Ronald Jones was running in mud. That's not what was happening in this game if you didn't watch it. So to make sure that's crystal clear. That's why we're not worried about Ronald Jones losing any kind of usage to a Keyshawn Vaughn moving forward. Let's shift things over now to the Carolina side. So we kept going all week, kept being told, okay, Cam Newton, he's going to be the starter, but Sam Darnold's going to play at some point. So Sam Darnold winds up playing more than Cam Newton does. Cam was, in fact, the starter. Both quarterbacks were horrible. So I don't know what it matters. Sam Darnold, 15 of 32, so less than 50%. 
190 yards, no touchdowns. The only thing he did better than Cam was didn't throw an interception. Cam, 7 of 13, had the pick, didn't have a touchdown, had 42 yards on the ground. Carolina scores six points in this game. Matt Roll needs to be fired at the end of the season. This team is not progressing, and right now, he's making it look like even a more dysfunctional mess with this quarterback carousel that makes absolutely no sense. And as a result, I don't know how going into Week 17, you can play a single Carolina Panther. DJ Moore had 11 targets. Second week in a row, he had double-digit targets. Five catches, 55 yards. There's no ceiling that you can trust with a DJ Moore because you have no idea from drive to drive who the quarterback's even going to be. Now, Matt Rule comes out this week and finally just says, you know what? Sam Darnold's the quarterback, and only Sam Darnold's going to play. And just stick to one guy. Or even if it's Cam Newton, just stick to one guy. DJ Moore will probably still be in my wide receiver three range because he's the type of guy that only takes one play. And if you're going to see double-digit targets, then you know he has to be a consideration. I'd like him a little bit more with the Sam Darnold because Sam Darnold has had that rapport with him early on in the season, hitting him downfield a few times. He at least gives you that possibility. With Cam, there's no possibility he's getting the ball anywhere further than five yards down the field. I mean, Robbie Anderson, you can make the argument, was just as involved. He had 10 targets for five catches, 58 yards too, but Robbie Anderson somebody who belongs in your waiver wire anyway. There's nothing to like. Amir Abdullah was the better running back, which was easily predicted because he's the guy who catches passes. He should have had a touchdown, should have had two touchdowns. But if you can get away next week without having to play a single Carolina Panther, that's the strategy. They can't move the ball. They can't do anything offensively right now. doesn't matter who they play. All right, let's talk about Buffalo, New England. Everybody was worried. Are we going to get another 14 to 10 ugly fest game? It turns out the weather did, in fact, have something to do with why that game was so bad the first time around. So in some ways, I take some solace in that. Start on the Buffalo side of the ball. So Josh Allen came through. He's been wildly inconsistent this entire season. But when you need the most, second round of the playoffs, he came through in a big way. Tough defense on the road in New England. Still drops 314 yards. Still drops three touchdowns. And apparently, his foot's feeling better. Because he had 12 carries in this game for 64 yards. So apparently, when you head into Week 17, because I know Josh Allen probably won your week, or was a big part of it at least. You can have that scrambling floor added back into your fantasy expectations heading into week 17. Because apparently he feels better. The other thing we're trying to figure out with Buffalo is that was the usage with Devin Singletary, was that real? Were they going to stick with him being the lead guy? So Matt Breida was inactive for this game. Zach Moss was. The thing that throws us all out of whack is the fact that Josh Allen did run 12 times in this game. Devin Singletary at 12 carries. Zach Moss only three. Singletary does get the touchdown in this game. I had him as a high-end RB3. Now, because Buffalo, the team itself, doesn't stick to the run, I don't think I can make Devin Singletary an RB2. I think I have to continue making him an RB3. But this is now a couple weeks in a row with different running backs active that he has operated well ahead of the other running backs. 
So I do think we can have confidence heading into week 17 that Devin Singletary will at least be the lead back and not have to question that too much, not have to ask ourselves how much of a committee he's going to be in. I think we do have that straightened out. It's going to be a matter of, okay, but how much does Josh Allen run and take away from him? That's going to be the follow-up question. But he's going to be a flex play. He's going to be an RB3 for me because now we've had a couple of weeks of usage to confirm they're going to stick with Devin Singletary as the main guy. And they should. He's the one guy who can run a little bit with power, has more explosiveness than Zach Moss, holds onto the ball better than Matt Breida, and he can catch the ball. I don't know why it's taken him this long to figure out that Devin Singletary is the best talented back that they have in that backfield. Stephon Diggs, we'll just mention him real quick. Seven catches, 85 yards, a touchdown. Great, phenomenal, 13 targets. You're playing Stephon Diggs no matter what. Isaiah McKenzie, that's the story here. Gets 11 catches for 125 yards and a touchdown, 12 targets. Huge day. I know nobody played him, at least not anybody in a 10 or 12-man league. If you're a 14, 16-man league, maybe you did, but nobody in a 10 or 12-man league played him. So now the question is going to be, do you play him next week? Because Cole Beasley, Gabriel Davis, unvaccinated. Pretty good chance they can't play again in Week 17. So you should have the same amount of players available. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. They'll be gone. So it'll be Emmanuel Sanders, Dawson Knox, Stephon Diggs, Isaiah McKenzie. Don't get overly excited about Isaiah McKenzie. He had a great game in this game. Great usage. But Emmanuel Sanders walks away with four targets, two catches, 20 yards. Dawson Knox walks away with two catches, 11 yards. He did get the touchdown, but he only had three targets. Those are two guys that I believe, when they're healthy, more times than not, when they're not playing the New England Patriots, are going to be more involved, especially from a target standpoint. Dawson Knox, three targets, that's the least amount of targets he's had in a month, especially while he's healthy. So I'm not looking for Isaiah McKenzie to be able to repeat this, or at the very least, I'm not going to sit here, expect it, and be confident about it heading into Week 17. So just kind of a word of caution before everybody gets gaga eyes for an Isaiah McKenzie who comes out of nowhere at this part of the season, where people start to get a little bit crazy and think to themselves like, oh, well, this is somebody I got to play now. Where everything's on the line and everything's up for air. Don't get carried away. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm sticking with guys like Dawson Knox, my tight end position. I'm sticking with Stephon Diggs. I probably don't want to play another Bills receiver. Let's go to the New England side. 
So Damian Harris was a story. Damian Harris, 18 carries, 103 yards, picks up three touchdowns. Tremendous. Great job, Damian Harris. Outside of that, there's nothing else to get excited about. And that's what the Patriots are. They're the running game. And if you're feeling lucky and you need to stream a tight end, you can look towards Hunter Henry. But you also know that games like this, where he gets one catch for nine yards on six targets, are very plausible too. And he just bottoms out on you. I know there's no Nelson Aguilar. Nikhil Harry played in his dead, did nothing. Jacoby Myers, six catches, 59 yards, and eight targets. I got to think you got somebody better to play with a much higher ceiling than a Jacoby Myers heading into your championship week. I'm only interested in Damian Harris if he's by himself, too, by the way. Would he still be an RB3 even when Ramondre Stevenson was active? Yeah. But remember, Stevenson was out because of an illness, a non-COVID illness at that. I would lean towards a pretty good chance he's back next week. So we go back to a split with Harris and Stevenson. So now he's back to being a touchdown-dependent flex play at best. If Stevenson's out, though, you can see to play Damian Harris because he shows you what he can do. And you definitely feel confident about playing running backs against the Buffalo Bills right now because they've been letting up big gash games like this one. Oh, man, this game. So the Cincinnati Bengals, the Baltimore Ravens. Now, Baltimore, uh, first and foremost, I got to lead off with this. I feel bad for Baltimore. I mean, is there a team in the NFL this year who's had worse luck? You lose J.K. Dobbins. You lose Gus Edwards. You lose Marcus Peters. No Marlon Humphrey in this game. It's just one thing after another. No Lamar Jackson. Tyler Huntley was had an illness Friday that was reported as non-COVID. And then Saturday goes on the COVID-19 list. You pull out Josh Johnson, who, by the way, started a game for the Jets earlier this season to come and be your quarterback, and he performed admirably. He had 300 yards passing, two touchdowns, one pick on 40 pass attempts. I mean, there's not much more you could hope for out of a third-string quarterback that you pulled off another team's practice squad midway through the season. And Mark Andrews... Mark Andrews right now, he's just proving the point that I don't care who's the quarterback. I'm getting the ball, and I'm awesome. Eight catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown, 10 targets. Mark Andrews is still my number one tight end heading into the week, but I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I was a little bit concerned when there's going to be no Lamar Jackson, no Tyler Huntley out there. You don't know how these quarterback switches are going to go necessarily. And he's just showing you how special he really is, especially when he's healthy. He's been more healthy this season than he has been for the past couple of years, and it's showing. So I guess the one good thing you have going for you is that you know no matter who the quarterback is, even if Lamar Jackson comes back, if Tyler Huntley comes back, or if it's Josh Johnson again for another week, Mark Andrews is going to be a great play and have an elite ceiling. So that's the good news. James Prochet third. Had seven catches for 76 yards, while Marquise Brown, five catches, 44 yards. That's where not having a quarterback that you know what to expect out of comes into play. So Mark Andrews is safe no matter what, but the rest of the wide receivers 
who knows? With Tyler Huntley, you had a Marquise Brown who didn't get any yards, but he had 14 targets. He had 10 catches. At least you knew he was getting the ball. But Josh Johnson goes to James Prochet, who kind of comes in, he plays the Devin Duvernay role. And he wasn't getting you know more catches than anybody. Rashad Bateman has the touchdown, but he has five targets for four receptions. Marquise Brown is the only wide receiver I'm interested in. But honestly, I don't know if you can have confidence in playing a Marquise Brown for sure. I don't know if he's a lock-it-in starter unless Lamar Jackson's able to make his return. But Lamar Jackson hasn't even practiced yet. So to say that you feel comfortable about him being the starter this week, I don't. Now, with Huntley, you can make the argument, well, the volume was there, and with Brown, only takes one play. Now I feel more confident if Huntley was there playing Marquise Brown as, you know, maybe a low end or wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three type of player. But that's what he is now. Those top 10 performances, those top 15 performances, unless Lamar Jackson comes back, that's not what I'm going to expect. The backfield situation is a dead split between Devonta Freeman and Latavius Murray right now. Dead split. I don't think you can play either one of these guys. You don't even know what to expect out of the Baltimore offense in general at the moment. And they might have to be passed first because we just saw what Cincinnati did to this defense without, you know, half their starters, half their players. And it might not be getting any better again next week when they have a bad matchup against the Rams and still don't have a lot of healthy guys. Joe Burrow had 525 yards. I had him in my top 10. I have his QB8. I was not in any world anticipating 525 yards. 37 of 46, just career best game. Four touchdowns. Everybody was tremendous. T. Higgins, amazing. 12 catches, 194 yards, two touchdowns, 13 targets. He's been the hottest second-half wide receiver out there. Jamar Chase, Seven catches, 125 yards on 10 targets. And even Tyler Boyd, who's only targeted five times, for the second time in three weeks, comes away with a big play touchdown. 68-yard touchdown in this game. It's not what we're used to seeing out of Tyler Boyd. It's happened twice in the last three weeks. He's still the guy that I'm going to leave out because he could very easily get left out of this offense. But you got to love where Joe Burrow and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are trending right now. And even Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon was great in this game. 65 yards, rushing touchdown, 18 carries. Also tax on a receiving touchdown, six catches, 70 yards. Had a, had a big 52-yarder at the end of the game when it didn't matter. Now, what's going to jump out to you on the box score in this game? Well, it's going to be Joe Mixon's passing usage. Not something we've seen since the beginning part of the year. Don't get carried away. Now, obviously, you have Joe Mixon. He's an RB1. So like, it's not like it's going to change whether or not you're playing Joe Mixon. But the, don't get carried away in your expectation heading into next week that Joe Mixon is suddenly like, oh, they're going to let him be the bell cow where he gets all the receiving work too. No, 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 no. He doesn't get the receiving work in two-minute drill or negative game scripts. This was a positive game script the entire game for Cincinnati. So in those situations... They're not facing third down and longs a lot. They're not trying to come back from behind. There are no two-minute drills. Those games, he can get involved in the passing game because he's out there for those plays. 
and they happen to decide to throw him the ball, he's going to get some of that, and he's a good pass catcher. No one denies that part of it. But don't look at this as like, oh, Mixon turned a corner. I got you know a top three running back for sure on my hands heading into next week. You might because he's Joe Mixon, but not because he's going to be all of a sudden involved in a heavy way in the passing game if this is a more normal-ish game script for the Cincinnati Bengals next week. That, that's all I'm saying there because that's going to stand out to a lot of people heading into next week. One more game I want to talk about before we hit another break. <laughs> the Houston Texans, Los Angeles Chargers. Now, we can't bury the lead here. The Texans winning 41-29. to If you're a Charger fan, you have to feel real pathetic about your team right now. The Chargers themselves have to feel real pathetic about their team right now. I know there's no Austin Eckler. I know there's no Mike Williams. But the Houston Texans didn't have Brandon Cooks either. How in the heck did the Houston Texans drop 41 points with no Brandon Cooks on the Chargers? I know the Chargers have been bad against the run all year long. But to give up 149 yards and two touchdowns to Rex friggin' Burkhead? Rex Burkhead. Who helped no one because there's no way anybody had the confidence to play him. Not. Not in normal leagues. Not in non-deep 14-16 team leagues. It's just insane. Don't get carried away with Rex Burkhead next week, though. Don't, don't think you need to stream him into your lineups now all of a sudden. This is a one-game wonder on the year. Trust me. Brandon Cooks is a likely scenario to be back, too. But this is just it was just pathetic. Pathetic effort by the Los Angeles Chargers in every shape, way, and form. Davis Mills was solid. 21-27, 254 yards, two touchdowns. Gets one to Conley. Gets one to Nico Collins. Nobody had more than four targets in this game because the Houston Texans got to run the ball game long. It's incredible. Brandon Cooks. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Before he went out with COVID, and we'll get to him in a second, but he was getting moved around all around the field. And that's what the biggest difference was. Tyrod Taylor got benched. They decided, you know what, we're just going to get Davis Mills as many reps as we can because there's a real chance they're going to be in a situation where they have to stick with Davis Mills for their starting quarterback again next season. And they've been moving Brandon Cooks all around, trying to make things easy on him, give him a go-to weapon, give Brandon Cooks mismatches to be able to take advantage of. We want to see Cooks get clear from COVID early in the week. So that way we know he gets a full week of practice in, and then we can feel pretty comfortable about it. Because again, I go back to that trend of wider receivers who get cleared later in the week and didn't get practice in, they tend not to play at least not their normal usage the following day or the following game. So we want to see Brandon Cooks get cleared early in the week to have confidence that he'll be back playing to his what his normal role would be. But, I mean, 
some credit has to be given to the Houston Texans over the past couple of weeks right now. They, they're a team, kind of like the Lions, where they're fighting, even though they're out of it. And at times, even looking good. They look good in this game. I don't think it's going to happen again. But again, we go back to the Chargers. Just a pathetic effort. Now, fantasy-wise, Herbert wasn't terrible because he got 336 yards. He gets the touchdown. He did have the two picks. He also tacked on 15 yards rushing. So fantasy-wise, didn't probably lose you your matchup. Just wasn't the big ceiling performance that you should have gotten, frankly. Big part was Keenan Allen, for some reason, couldn't take advantage of a terrible JV squad secondary for Houston. Four catches, 35 yards on six targets in this game. It was the Justin Jackson show. That was all they had going for them offensively. 11 carries, 64 yards, two rushing touchdowns, eight receptions, 98 yards, nine targets. Houston did such a good job taking away the intermediate to deep part of the field. Herbert had to be checking it down all the time. That's kind of how this thing went. Now, Jackson, if you picked him up to replace Austin Eckler, you got the RB1 performance of the week. You got the huge day. Eckler is back off the COVID list as of today, though. So, you know, we go right back to Eckler being the man. Josh Palmer. Now, this is the guy who's of interest note to me. Josh Palmer, five catches, 43 yards, a touchdown on six targets. He's going to be somebody that we are going to be talking about as a playable option heading into next week. Why? Mike Williams, unvaccinated, already ruled out for Sunday. I don't think we got an official word on Jalen Guyton either way, but Guyton plays a different role. Even when Guyton's out there, there's no Mike Williams. He kind of just plays the deep man role. But Josh Palmer plays that... 1A, 1B route tree with a Keenan Allen without Mike Williams out there. So Josh Palmer is going to be the guy who I'm going to want to play without Mike Williams out there again. And going to be a real wide receiver three again that you're going to have to really consider your lineups probably next week. Will be on the waiver wire report. So just kind of an interesting little note, little tidbit for you guys there. Jared Cook was a popular streaming option because there's no Donald Parham. But he only had five targets, three catches, 44 yards. Just You can't trust that Jared Cook's ever going to really be involved in the offense. Not enough to stream him. All right. I want to take one more break. When we come back on the other side, we'll finish up the Sunday afternoon recap. So everybody stay tuned. The MD's Fantasy Football Show will be back right after this. It's the holiday season, and you don't know what to gift as a gift or a stocking stuffer. Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has the tools to guarantee you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming, and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. If my math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls. So get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Manscaped's best-selling product is the Performance Package 4.0, which is at the top of every man's wish list this year. Inside, you'll find their Lawnmower Body Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, your butt, and your body, and the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Let's not forget the famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. The dads can't stop talking about this. The teens secretly buy this, and the women will love you for it. 
Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, catch every show live, and hit us up and download us on your favorite pod streaming app. And fires up on your Fire TV and Android devices when you search the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Amazon App Store. As always, I'm your host, Dan May. We're going through the Sunday afternoon recap. I do want to kick this segment off, though, with a couple of questions we got from YouTube. First up, we got Nate. Rashad Penny or Amon Ross St. Brown this upcoming week? Uh, I'm assuming from a PPR standpoint, it's close. It's very interesting. So part of you, Jared Goff's going to be back. If DeAndre Swift's out again, you have to love the floor of an Amon Ross St. Brown. But the way Rashad Penny's run to the last three weeks and playing against Detroit with another great matchup this week, it's going to be hard not to play Rashad Penny, a running back in a good matchup against Detroit. It's just going to be hard not to. So I'd probably say Rashad Penny, but I'll say this ultimately, probably not a bad decision either way. But if DeAndre Swift plays then I would definitely say Rashad Penny because I'll probably take away some of the targets from an Amon Ross St. Brown. The other question we got was from Trey. Full point PPR for week 17. Should I start DeAndre Carter versus the Eagles? Deontay Harris, if he returns from his three-game suspension against Carolina. So this is definitely a deeper league. Uh, look, I would say most likely you're going to want to go the DeAndre Carter route. So Carter has been the second receiver for the most part for Washington. Remember, Darius Slay will probably shadow Terry McLaurin in this game. And they've already talked about that while Taylor Heineke is expected to start, and it sounds like a Carolina situation, but Taylor Heineke expected to start. They're saying they do think Kyle Allen's going to play at some point in this next upcoming game. Ron Rivera apparently taking a page out of Matt Roll's book for how much of a shoddy job quarterbacks can do for coaches can do to the quarterback position does, does mention also one point per 10 yards return, which does make it a little bit interesting for Deontay Harris. I would have to say Deandre Carter. Cause I still got to see Deontay Harris definitively get activated and ready to go this week off the suspension list. That still remains to be seen. Uh, but stay tuned to the MD Saints football show. We go through our full week preview Ask us again when we have a better idea and I have my rankings up on BillyUpFantasySports.com as we move forward through the week. All right, let's finish up the recap for week 16, shall we? So we left off with the Houston Texans and the Chargers. Let's dive into the other blah of the week. One of, well, one of others, but we're not going to talk about that Sunday night game until tomorrow. The Eagles and the Giants here, 34 to 10. This game was well in hand especially in the second half on the Eagles been a second half team this entire year, but they got touchdowns from their defense. I mean, really just completely dominated this game. Hertz was okay. He wasn't great, but two touchdowns passing 199 yards. The thing that killed you is that Hertz only had seven yards rushing. He just didn't have to do that much. It's really what it boiled down to. He just didn't have to do that much. Miles Sanders picks up a broken hand. 
we now know he's going to be out for the rest of the season, or at least the rest of the regular season anyway. And Jordan Howard picked up a stinger. So Boston Scott got a runaway with their usage in the second half of the year. They were getting ready to let Jordan Howard be that closer router. That's that they want him to be. They want him to be the closer. They want him to be the hammer. But he picks up that stinger, so they don't really use him as much. So Boston Scott winds up getting the touchdown. We head into next week. We know Miles Sanders is going to be out. Jordan Howard will be the official listed starter, but there will be a committee between him and Boston Scott to some degree. I think if you're in standard leagues, you probably could feel pretty good about playing Jordan Howard next week if you needed to against Washington. Another great matchup. But Boston Scott's going to be probably my top 36 and a legitimate flex play as well. And probably the guy I'd rather have in half point and full point PPR because he'll actually have a better shot to be you know involved in the passing game. Speaking of passing games, Devonta Smith coming up big. It was a good matchup, but his usage hasn't been all that trustworthy heading into the week. So don't be mad at yourself if you left Devonta Smith on your bench. Five catches, 80 yards, a touchdown, seven targets. He just hadn't seen that usage the past few weeks because it had been all Dallas Goddard, who he wound up, of course, the week I rank in my top five tight end, he wound up being the guy who was left out of this offense. Two catches, 28 yards on four targets. But I think you have to play everybody you're playing anyway against Washington next week. We'll talk about that more then. On the Giants side, so they tried to start with Jake Fromm. It went terribly quickly. <laughs> Six to seventeen. They go back to Mike Lennon. Not that it was much better, but they did score a touchdown with Mike Lennon under center. I guess that's your come big come away. Look, the only thing you care about fantasy wise, especially in redraft leagues right now, is Saquon Barkley, who is terrible. I mean, he got you. Three, 32 yards, minus four yards in the receiving game. That was the big shocker here. So the Giants are down this game, trailing away. And Saquon Barkley, coming off of a week where he had eight targets, had one in this game. One. He had 15 carries, just like he had 15 carries last week. But instead of having eight targets, he had one. That was the big difference. Because... What I've been harping on is that Saquon Barkley was still an RB2 because the overall usage had still been there, not just in the rushing game, but also in the passing game. But this week, Devontae Booker wound up playing ahead. Now, context. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. It was mostly in the fourth quarter, Booker just took over. They pretty much just sat down Barkley because there was just no reason not to. They weren't coming back in the game. There was no longer any reason to continue to throw Saquon Barkley to the Wolves over and over and over again. There just wasn't. So that wound up being the biggest difference. 
I'm not going to worry about it necessarily next week. I'm not going to say, oh, and now I think Devontae Booker might be ahead of Saquon as the 50-50 split. No, this is just how this game went. I think Barkley, from a usage standpoint, again, will wind up in my low-end RB2, high-end RB3 territory, but maybe closer to my high-end RB3 territory, making him not a lock play. Because now if you're telling me we're getting to the point where if the Giants are getting blown out, which happens more times than not now, given their quarterback situation, that I can't trust Saquon's going to be allowed to play all four quarters because that hadn't really been an issue up until this game. Now we have a different factor do you have to worry about week 17? That's assuming you've made your championship game with Saquon Barkley. But I don't look at this game as a indicator that Devontae Booker is going to play ahead of Saquon, even if they're both healthy. That's that's not what we're seeing here. This was context. Booker came in when this game was well in hand and just played the entire fourth quarter. That's the only thing you care about with the Giants. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Falcons, the Detroit Lions. Falcons hold on for a 20-16 win, but Detroit just stay keeping it close in all their games. But the Falcons, you got to give them credit too. They're technically not out of the playoff race. Surprisingly enough, it's 7-8. and eight. Matt Ryan was mediocre. If This was probably like the last week I was going to give Matt Ryan a chance to be a streamer. 215 yards and a touchdown. That was it. Here, Kyle Pitts, I'll just mention him quickly. Six catches, 102 yards, six targets. He had a good day. He was incredibly efficient with his day. And the touchdown still went to Hayden Hurst. He's not. He's, he's like new Julio. He gets utilized, but he's not allowed to catch touchdowns, apparently. I don't know. Still top 12 play. Nothing really changes there. The questions are Cordell Patterson. Are things changing with Cordell Patterson? That's what we have to figure out. And the answer is yes and no. Okay. He hasn't been the same player since his high ankle sprain that they never really gave him a chance to rest on. At the same time, they're not utilizing him the same way either. He is splitting carries now with Mike Davis again. They both had seven in this one. Mike Davis is actually the better runner in this game, although Coral Patterson was able to get a touchdown to at least salvage your fantasy day to some degree. But the one catch for minus one yards and, a, and a two targets, that's the part that's killer. You need Patterson to be involved in the passing game. But keep in mind, Pitts was the lead targeted receiver at six. Matt Ryan threw the ball 24 times. His usage, his playing time, his routes run, all the percentages are still there. The difference is, and I talked about this earlier in the show when we had this question come up, teams are now keying in on when Patterson's in the game. Because they know this offense is designed to get him the ball when he's out there. It's making them predictable. And it's making Patterson's fantasy value much lower, at least when it comes to the ceiling. Is he still a big part of this offense? Yes. Is he a bad play? No. But his ceiling is not what it once was. And that's the big difference for me. It's all going to be about what's available next week. Now remember, COVID-19 is making a lot of things difficult, but Patterson may not be a must-start depending upon what options you have available to you. Make sure you ask us those questions, too, on social media, at Show. We're not going to have a mailbag segment again this week. Like last week, because we're doing a full week preview 
in one show again. So we're just not going to have time to do it. But I fielded a lot of questions on social media last week. I will be doing the same thing, of course, this week for your championship games. And this week's a little bit easier because we have all Sunday and one Monday night game. There's no Thursday games, no Saturday games. So things will be a little bit easier to know who's going to be available when. And you're not necessarily going to have to make decisions early this week. That's the one nice thing about it being championship week. On the choice side, Tim Boyle. Look, 187, a touchdown, interception. Tim Boyle did what you needed Tim Boyle to do. He came in. He got the ball to Amon Ross St. Brown, who's a wide receiver too. Nine catches, 91 yards, a touchdown, 11 targets. He's a must play. As long as DeAndre Swift continues to miss, Jared Goff is coming back this week. Amon Ross St. Brown has as safe of a floor as anybody out there. Anybody out there. Our question as far as Craig Reynolds, what happens when guys start to come back, got answered. He's looked at as the backup. Jamal Williams had 19 carries to Craig Reynolds 11. Williams was the better running back efficiency-wise, 4.1 yards to carry compared to 2.9. And I can only imagine if DeAndre Swift was active, if we would have even have seen Craig Reynolds at all, really, or maybe more any more than five or six times. As far as Swift goes, I, I don't have anything for you guys yet. We'll have to wait and see. Technically, he practiced in a limited capacity all last week, but he never did it when the media was there. It was always behind closed doors. So we don't really know where he's at. And he got rolled out on a, on, on Sunday. Was inactive right away. I don't know why they bothered trying to bring him back to practice. They didn't think he had a you know a better than 90% chance of playing because why are you even getting him wear and tear in the position that you're in? That part I can't answer. But Swift will have to be considered questionable heading into next week. And we'll have to wait to see how the practice report plays out again. But I got to tell you at this point, I don't know if I can feel comfortable playing Swift unless he winds up practicing in full at some point this week. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the Jets and the Jaguars. The Jets proving they are the less crappy of the two teams, although the Jaguars probably getting ultimately what they need more, which is another loss and keeping that number one draft pick status afloat. Jets went 26-21. Zach Wilson has 91 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown in this game. That really wound up being the big difference. Passer standpoint, Trevor Lawrence was better. Torn 80 yards compared to 102. But Zach Wilson did get the win. Unfortunately, James Robinson goes down with an Achilles injury. And this is just a killer. I hope this doesn't wind up being a career ender. Not because I don't think he can't come back from an Achilles injury. Cam Akers is proving that you definitely can, especially as a run, young running back. But because he's having his Achilles injury so late in the year, we can't expect him to have a Cam Akers-like return. Typically speaking, this is supposed to take, you know, 10 to 12 months. Well, you do that math and you know that he's not going to be ready beginning of next season. Travis Etienne will be back, though. So what happens if Travis Etienne's playing well? We don't know what the coaching staff's going to be. We It's going to be another coaching staff that's not really necessarily linked to a James Robinson. I just hope this doesn't wind up derailing his entire career because it, it could. Being where this happened, when this happened, it, it just could. And I hope it doesn't happen. I hope it doesn't go down that way. In his absence, Dare Agunbowale, I think I said that, Agunbowale, that's my best attempt for it anyway, 17 carries, 57 yards, picks up a rushing touchdown, 
had two catches, 15 yards on four targets. You like the usage, but I'm going to say this. I am not going to play a single Jacksonville Jaguar in my championship week. It's not going to happen. It's just as likely they have Ozigabo or Zigbo, who's still on their depth chart, be in a committee next week because Agunboale is more of a receiving third down type back. He just he was active. You know, Azigbo wasn't. I might be butchering that last name, but forgive me. These both names are hard to pronounce. That's that's the main issue. I'm not going to trust it. I'm just not. I think you have, if you made the championship, you probably have better options. Maybe you did have a James Robinson, but I still think we can find you a better option. If it was Carlos Hyde, it'd be one thing, but I'm not going to trust it, which will probably be a committee next week. Outside of that, I mean, yeah, Marvin Jones, there was no LaVisca Schnault in this game. So, yes, the target consolidation, Marvin Jones, Laquan Treadwell, but Tavon Austin got heavily involved. He had seven targets in this game. There's no way you trust it. There's no way you trust it. I'll tell you what you do trust. You trust Michael Carter. 16 carries, 118 yards. Picks up two catches, six yards, three targets. He played double the amount of snaps as Tevin Coleman. Now, the difference was, though, when Tevin Coleman played, he got the ball, like, automatically. If Tevin Coleman was on the field, he was getting the ball. He had 19 snaps and 14 carries. He was getting the ball. But Michael Carter still got his, was still better, was still good. I think you trust to play Michael Carter. There's nobody else in the Jets I want to play. James Crowder was out this game. Braxton Berrios led the way with six targets. There's nothing there. But Michael Carter can be a lock-it-in starter for a championship team next week. Played a little bit more than he did last week. And again, doubled the snaps of Tevin Coleman. Even though the box score carries would tell you that maybe it was a 50-50 committee. And it wasn't. And this game was actually... I want to say it wasn't close because it was close, but the Jets seemed like they were in control the entire time. If they weren't, I think you would have seen even more Michael Carter than Tevin Coleman. So about Seattle and Chicago. <laughs> Seattle at home in a blizzard-like conditions finds a way against Nick Foll-led Chicago Bears, finds a way to give this game away at the end. They were in control. And allowed the Bears to score 11 points in the fourth quarter, come back and win. Just talk about things being broken. Things are broken in Seattle. DK Metcalf had a touchdown, though. Something, something we have not seen in a very long time. Only two catches and 41 yards outside of that. But did have the touchdown. Tyler Lockett wasn't really involved. Three catches, 30 yards on six targets. Technically still led the way in targets for the team. But this was more about, if you're disappointed by Lockett's performance, I understand, but this was more about the weather conditions. Wound up being real snowy, real windy. It was a game where you knew the backfields were going to have a good opportunity to shine. Rashad Penny did. 17 carries, 135 yards, a touchdown. Look, the Bears have been a team you can run on all season long as it is, but then Hakeem Hicks came down with COVID. You take him out of that lineup, they have nobody who can stop the run up the middle. And it showed in this game. I think Rashad Penny, somebody you have to consider playing as a low in RB2 at the very least, heading into next week against Detroit. 
DJ Dallas is still the guy who's going to get worked in on passing down situations, a two-minute drill. And Detroit's been playing games kind of close, so we, we might see some DJ Dallas in that standpoint, but I think you can trust the play Rashad Penny if you're in that situation to do so. I also would play Tyler Lockett. It'd be another week removed from COVID, get some more practice under his belt, and you know check the weather because that game is going to be in Seattle again next week, but assuming it's not you know snowy all over the ground again, I would still probably trust Tyler Lockett more so than a DK Metcalf. Gerald Everett was the big lead receiver, but you're not going to play him next week either. He had four catches for 68 yards and a touchdown too. David Montgomery was, oh God, he was incredibly inefficient, but man, the volume was there. 21 carries, 45 yards, but has a rushing touchdown. And the four that he also provided in the receiving game was the big kicker here too. Seven catches, 61 yards, nine targets. We don't know if Andy Dalton's going to be back off his groin issue. We don't know if Justin Fields is going to be back from his hand issue. We might get another week of Nick Foles. The one silver lining you'll take with a David Montgomery having to play next Nick Foles will be that Foles checks down the, the ball to the running back more than Fields especially, but and also more than Andy Dalton. So Montgomery in that situation, he's kind of like a, a Josh Jacobs to me. Where it's not pretty, it's not looking great on the field, but he's getting RB1 level usage. And he's at least an RB2 because of that level of usage, even though it's not getting necessarily the efficiency, the productivity to go along with it. Darnell Mooney, five catches, 57 yards on nine targets, but Allen Robinson did get activated off the COVID list. While Robinson hasn't really been productive in any kind of capacity, you can't sit here and play a Darnell Mooney when Allen Robinson is out there because Robinson still gets targeted just by his presence on the field. That's just how it's worked out that way. So we bring up the Chiefs and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Chiefs just manhandled the Steelers in this game, 36-10, to without Travis Kelsey, and really without Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, he might have lost you guys some playoff matchups, but it's not like you weren't going to play him. Everybody who had Tyreek Hill played Tyreek Hill. Here's the issue, (laughs) okay? So they controlled this game. I think it was more about the fact that they controlled this game the way they did. So Tyreek Hill, it goes with the pattern of, especially the wide receivers. They get cleared from COVID late in the week after not having been able to practice all week long. He was playing his normal usage like through the first quarter, but then once Kansas City got up, and they got up early, they were up 14-0 after the first quarter, and then they tacked on another nine in the second quarter. They're up 23-0 heading into halftime. Clearly, they wanted to make sure they were taking it easy on his conditioning if they could help it. That was clearly an issue. And again, because this game was so well in hand and so controlled by Kansas City, they didn't have a reason to use them. So I bring it up for two things. One, if you did manage to make it to next week with Tyreek Hill's performance, to not worry. Not that I think people would, but just to make sure. Uh, Two, to also point out that Byron Pringle, who had six catches for 75 yards and two touchdowns, that he's not a guy to expect that out of again next week with Tyreek Hill being back and probably getting a full week of practice. In, and yeah, no, I, we're not going to expect Pringle to go off again next week. But the other interesting part of this was that Patrick Mahomes, 
even without Travis Kelsey and even with pretty much without having Tyreek Hill, three touchdowns, 258 yards, gave you a nice performance again. You're feeling more and more confident as you work your way through the playoffs with Patrick Mahomes right now. That's a great, that's a great feeling. The word on Clyde Edwards Alaire is that it's a collarbone injury, but it's a week-to-week thing. It's not, it's not something that's going to end his season. He didn't fracture it, apparently, because that's what the big difference would be in that case. Derek Gore had 12 carries for 43 yards. Context. Don't think if we head into next week and we don't have CEH available that Darrell Williams is now in a 50-50 committee with Derek Gore. He closed out the game in the fourth quarter with the second team. A little bit before that, too, but with the second team. So Darrell Williams didn't play because they had this game well in hand. Darrell Williams will be a low-end RB2 if Clyde Edwards-Alaire is not able to suit up again next week. He just will. The usage will be there. He'll have the opportunities to score. He'll have the opportunities in the passing game. You're playing Darrell Williams next week. CH still not technically ruled out, but labeled week to week. Kansas City now in firm firm control of that AFC West. I just wouldn't be surprised if they said, you know what, let's let's give him some rest. Let's make sure he's healthy because he's more important to them in the postseason right now than he would be for the regular season. Yes, they're still playing for that number one seat, but they can get by without him for now. So we'll have to wait to see how that plays out throughout the practice week. On the flip side, Najee Harris was fine. 19 carries, 93 yards, five catches, 17 yards. Once again, his usage kind of saving the day for you from a fantasy-wise perspective. And Deontay Johnson, who really, watching him play, even though statistically it wasn't this way, looked like he had one of his worst games of the year. I mean, Deontay Johnson's been great so far this season, but he had a couple of bad drops again. There was times where he just looked like he didn't necessarily want to be out there, especially when this game got well in hand so early on. Just a little bit surprising, especially from a Mike Tomlin team and a Steelers team that's still in the playoff hunt, by the way. But he gets a last-second touchdown, six catches, 51 yards, a touchdown coming from Mason Rudolph of all, or Ben Roethlisberger right before he got pulled for Mason Rudolph. And that's why you continue to play him. Chase Claypool, four catches, 41 yards on six targets. You can't trust Clay- Chase Claypool. He's outside my top 36 the rest of the way. Last game, but not least for tonight's show. Raiders taking care of business against the Denver Broncos. Not surprising being that Drew Locke was starting quarterback this game, 17-13. to 13. What was surprising was that the Raiders, in complete disrespect to Drew Locke, Stacked the box so much that the running game never got going. Javante Williams and Melvin Gore with no Jonathan Abram seem as much of a lock as ever. They've been RB2s splitting the work anyway. Both had seven carries. Williams, 12 yards. He does get you a touchdown at least. Gordon, negative four yards on seven carries. How does that even happen? One catch in four yards. Williams had two catches for eight yards. Look, if you make it to championship week, I'm still playing both Melvin Gore and I'm still playing Javante Williams to his RB2s. But this matchup in this spot, heading into this game with Drew Locke as the quarterback, I think he lean on the running game even more. I mean, this was just shocking. Now, Denver barely had the ball, and that was part of it. But still, 
My God, that was ugly. Not ultimately worried about it. Jerry Judy, three catches, 60 yards on four targets. Cortland Sutton, five targets, four catches, 33 yards. Um, top receivers, just want to mention them, but also point out the fact that whether it's Zulak, whether it's say Bridgewater, I don't care about pass catchers on Denver. If they ever get a real quarterback, this is going to be the number one offense in the NFL, mark my words. But until that point, I don't care about pass catchers on Denver. The Raiders, Josh Jacobs, 27 carries, 129 yards. Finally, a good day on the ground against a Denver defense that can be stingy at times. But, of course, this is the one game that he doesn't really get involved in the passing game. He had one catch for negative five yards on three targets. Doesn't get a touchdown. But, ultimately, Josh Jacobs did what you need him to do because you're playing him as a heavy-utilized RB2 anyway, not as anything else. So, he did that for you. Foster Moreau continues his heavy workload without Darren Waller back. Four catches, 67 yards. Still no sign that he'll that Waller, that is, will definitively be back next week. Here's what's interesting. So Hunter Renfro was kind of like on that Amon Ross St. Brown kick where he wasn't going a game without being targeted double-digit times. But now, the past couple of weeks, last week got completely shut down. This week... He gets the touchdown of 40 yards. So if you played him, he didn't dudge you out fantasy-wise. He actually gave you a decent performance, but only three targets and three catches. Teams are just doubling him and taking him away. Zay Jones, again, for the second week in a row, led the receivers. Eight targets, six catches, 50 yards. I think you have to continue to play Hunter Renfro because you know that when the Raiders get in a situation where they actually have to put up points on the board, which they haven't had to do the past couple of weeks, played against Cleveland, 16, played against Denver here, 17, or when they get wound up in negative game scripts, you know Hunter Renfro's usage is going to go through the roof. So I think you continue to play Renfro, but you maybe don't have the same confidence in him you once did, and maybe you take a shot somewhere else, take a home run hit somewhere else as a result of not necessarily having the high floor expectation you once did, knowing that it's going to depend upon how the game script goes. That's what stood out to me. That's going to do it for our show. That's going to finish off the recap from Sunday afternoon and this Christmas Day, Thursday night game. We went over all that. Make sure you tune back into us tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. We're going to go over the Sunday night recap, the Monday night recap, and the waiver wire report for week 17. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll see you then. Download us on your favorite podcasting app. Hit us up on social media at Show. Subscribe to us on YouTube and search the MD's Fantasy Football Show on your Amazon app. Sort of fire us up on your Fire TV and Android devices. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.